Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com. So good morning. I am really glad to be here this morning. Many of you I know. So that makes this a little nerve-wracking to stand before you. However, I am happy to worship with everyone today. It's been a while since I have read the book of Philemon. So when I went to look it up and began familiarizing myself with it, I was like, this is really short. Are we really splitting this three ways? (laughs) Seems like we get to the main theme pretty quickly, but okay. As I was looking at the verses initially, I thought, wait, the real meat or the real good vegetables for you vegetarians starts at verse eight. What am I going to do with this greeting? I mean, it's lovely, but it's mostly a salutation, an introduction, a really nice hello. But as we know with scripture, there's always something there for us if we sit with it. If we allow it to penetrate our hearts, and then if we ask God, what do you want me to hear, to be challenged by, to be encouraged by, and then to share with others? I wanna consider the context and the time in which Paul is writing this letter, and also have a slight glimpse into Paul, I mean, sorry, Philemon and his household. If you have read this letter to the end, you know a request is coming, and it's a significant one. As I was reading commentaries and articles, the singular fact that each scholar or theologian started and stayed with regarding this letter was the reality of slavery in Roman society. N.T. Wright noted that the subjects in the Roman Empire could no more imagine their society without slavery than Americans can imagine their society without electricity. Slavery was just a part of life. These slaves were peoples whom Rome had conquered. They were Syrians, Jews, Ethiopians, Asians, and many others. There were even Romans who were enslaved. There was an ideology that went along with this. The master expected complete loyalty and submission, and there was the understanding that the slave would put the master's welfare above his or her well-being. Most Romans were part of a familius, a Latin word that means more than family. A familius would include the head of the household, known as the paterfamilias, his wife, kids, extended family, as well as business and political clients and slaves. And of course, the paterfamilias had complete and unquestioned control over the lives of his slaves. The Greek word doulos describes the profoundly unequal relationship that existed between the slave and his master. And it speaks to the power that the master had in that he or she could control nearly every aspect of the slaves' lives. And even with his very controlled existence, these slaves were entrusted with family businesses, educating children, conveying messages and greetings. Payments and requests that were all a part of sustaining the familiar's relationships and obligations. These slaves kept the households running. Yet they were not a part of the family. There was not a bond of love or warm affection that slaves might observe others who weren't slaves experiencing. 
Theologian Andy Crouch writes, ultimately slavery was based on violence and coercion. Every paterfamilias head of the household understood that whoever gained his freedom, whoever could gain his freedom would do so. And usually those freed slaves would become a client of the master. And even the potential for freedom or eventual freedom came with all kinds of dynamics and problems. Freed persons or former slaves were to behave humbly even when in the presence of their freeborn people. There could be consequences for free persons who thought themselves better than the freeborn. And in certain situ situations, the paterfamilias even considered taking back that freedom due to an offense which also made an example of him or her to those still enslaved. We can read of these household codes in other New Testament letters. The system of slavery had so many aspects to it, so many categorizations. Slaves owned slaves. This was just the way it was in Roman society. The significance of knowing this history is that Philemon's household would have probably operated like a typical Roman household. In verse two, Paul greets the familias by acknowledging Aphia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, as well as the church that met in Philemon's house. What we know to be different is what Paul writes in verse five. I hear about your love for all his people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Philemon's household is a believing household. This, my friends, changes everything. Now, when I was imagining Philemon reading this letter aloud in front of the church, I had a movie clip come to mind. And it's an odd one, and I've already told two people who are like, I've never watched that movie. <laughs> I have no idea. But then I told two other people, Rich and Debbie, and they got it. <laughs> so thank you for getting it. But this is how my mind works. This is what came to mind. Remember the scene in Aliens, where their ship had been blown up or crashed? Okay, so probably maybe half of the room is familiar with the Ridley Scott 1986 version of this film. Sigourney Weaver's character is, is comforting the little uh, girl, Newt. You know, she's like an orphan girl. And Michael Bean's character is trying to assess the situation and lead well with his brooding look that was in all of his Hollywood movies. And then there's Bill Paxton's character, Hudson, who I believed whined and complained the entire movie. Like, you're sort of endeared, but not really. Well, at this point, Hudson is freaking out. They're in the middle of nowhere with a lot of uncertainties. Aliens are running around trying to kill them. Their circumstances, their lives have changed drastically. And then Bill Paxton utters his famous line, the one he probably heard more times than he wanted to, to from adoring fans. Rest, rest in peace, he's gone on. His famous line of, game over, man, game over. For Philemon, the game was over. And this is the picture that came to mind, just sort of this like, different, done, this is it. He was entering a new game, so to speak, a new life. A life that as a believer would look and should look drastically different than what he had known. As I was thinking about this last night, I was thinking of the shift that has to take place when we are confronted with the wholeness and fullness of our relationship with Christ. For Philemon to love God and his people, the way he ran his household would need to be different. The way he interacted with his patrons and clients would need to be different. The nature of his relationship with his slaves would need to change drastically, completely, totally different. 
And then to follow up with verse 6, Paul again is speaking of something new, a changed reality. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Philemon and his household cannot operate as they once did and also align themselves with what Christ has invited them to be a part of. So how Philemon responds to what is asked of him in the rest of the letter is important to his faith in that of his household, as well as the partnership that Paul is referring to. When Paul writes that the partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding, it shows that Philemon has a choice in how he will or if he will respond to this changed life, the life of one who believes in a resurrected Christ. So when I was uh, discussing this sermon with somebody last night, they're like, Tiana, you need your game over moments. You need to, to say when, when, when the Lord you know, sort of said, okay, it's time. It's, it's, it's going to be flipped. So I said, well, that's really personal. <laughs> she goes, yes, <laughs> it is really personal you know, to, to insert yourself into the story, but you have a story. So for me, my game over moment or response to a changed life started several years ago. For most of my life, I've been aware of injustices that exist. As a child, I was protected from a lot of them and didn't really need to look too closely at certain painful realities. As I grew older, I think I became comfortable with not knowing. I knew enough to know that if I ever looked real close at being a black female in America, it might just be too much, too overwhelming, too painful. But like Philemon, God had changed me and had more for me. On February 26th, 2012, a young man was walking home from a convenience store. He had just purchased an Arizona iced tea and a pack of Skittles. Trayvon Martin wouldn't make it home. For me and many other people who looked like me, some who didn't, this was a devastating but familiar story. But even in its familiarity, it was an extremely sad end to a very young life. As time went on, I heard more and more of these situations, younger, not so young, black people in horrible ways, um, dying in horrible ways under sometimes unclear circumstances. I know I was feeling a nudging from the Holy Spirit to learn more and to do more and be willing to enter into those painful places with, where history and its unfolding takes me. In 2017, after a year or so of nudges and me slowly responding, I went on a Sankofa trip. On this trip, a person of color and a white person are paired together with a bus full of other paired up people, and we go to various historical places down south where black history gets to tell itself. We talked together about what we had seen and read before the trip and along the way. We mourned our history, and we began efforts to move towards reconciliation and healing. The word Sankofa literally means to go back and get. And, that, and some of you know I have a tattoo of um, the Sankofa bird who's going back to get seeds to plant for uh, future generations. At the end of this trip, when all 40 of us were in a big circle debriefing about our time, I stated that if I had known then what I had known now, I would not have gone on this trip. I think my soul and every nerve ending was crying out in pain at least that is how I described it later on. 
is this really what a transformed life looks like? To be in pain, yet to be motivated to do justly? The answer is yes. That trip changed my life. And I don't say that lightly. When you stared injustice in the eye, when you empathize with another's unimaginable pain, when you recognize their story overlaps with yours, or is even the beginning of yours, it changes you. Albeit, it is like no other pain. For me to recognize injustice and to respond is absolutely a very important part of my transformed life and truthfully something I know we are commanded to do. In seasons of my life, responding to God's call in this has looked different. But knowing when I had said yes to the Lord, like Philemon, life must look drastically different. Even as Paul is in chains, he's aware of Philemon's reputation. Philemon loves the Lord and loves his people. I believe this is what may have allowed Paul to lean into hope that Philemon would hear his request and walk in a transformed life. But I can only go to verse 7, so you'll have to wait <laughs> to hear what the request is next week and the week after. No spoilers, I've been told. So going back to verses 4 and 5, we read, Every time your name comes up in my prayers, I say, oh, thank you, God. I keep hearing of the love and faith you have for the Master Jesus, which brims over to other believers. These verses are full of such care and love. Like Paul towards Philemon, I imagine each of us sitting here know of someone who has helped us to stay the course. For me, I thank God for Sarah Sullivan, a woman who has faithfully and enduringly, if that's a word, <laughs> listened and advised me since I, was since I was a teenager. I thank God for Andrea Spicer, who has been a consistent, not just ally, but accomplice and friend as we both have journeyed in racial righteousness. Who has said they are thankful for you and remembered you in their prayers and are, and are an encouragement on your faith journey? I think what I recognize in, these, in, these, in this verse is the sweetness that we can feel with others as they have been in relationship with us. Like Paul to Philemon. Okay, verse 7 states, Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the heart of God's people, the hearts of God's people. I think we're all drawn to kind people. That Paul would acknowledge that kindness refreshes the heart of God's people is no small mention. When I look at my life, I see so many people who in their kindness and hospitality refreshed me. Sometimes it's the friend that texted to see if I'm okay because something in the news may have been triggering. Or someone who left me a note because I didn't quite seem myself. Or sometimes it's someone I've never met like Maya Angelou who reminds me that still I rise. Kindness. Stop and think for a moment. Who has shown you kindness that has led to your being refreshed? Take a moment. Bask in that thought and the reality of that person. Close your eyes if you would like to. Kindness. Maybe this week it's time to encourage them. 
Living for Christ transforms us. But we have to say yes to it. And as we do that, there might be loss. There might be so much gained. Surely Philemon had some loss. Surely the realities that he faced as somebody who lived in a society that was okay with certain things when he became a Christian and made his choices as a Christian, there was loss. That's how it is, folks. No longer can we operate as the world operates. For believers, a restructuring takes place or it needs to. And the beauty of this is that we, get, is, is that we do get to be a part of a partnership that can be effective and encouraging and welcoming and part of dismantling systems and bring about the kingdom of God. We get to be a part of that. Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.